All right, well, we'll just go ahead and get started and uh, pretty well on time here, and then that means uh, we'll just get on out of here on time. That's <laughs> Everybody laughs and smiles at that. And I want to say thanks for uh, you guys that uh, participated last week. Uh, Miklos Nandor played some music, understand, and uh, her heard it went over really well. So um, thank you guys for keeping that going, and there I was skipping out, going to a ball game, and can you imagine that? Yeah, I was watching the Royals, and of course, they had won before that and after that, quite a many, few games, and then, of course, we went to the one where they got blew out, but that's okay. First time I'd been there at the, uh, the stadium that had been re- uh, built, I guess you could say, in, in some ways. We had heard you were down at the lake. Well, we we hit down in that area too. We just just went all over Missouri. Stayed stayed in the state. Just uh, but uh, yeah, we had fun, and that's about you know it's always the quickest week, and you go how does it go by so quick? Mm -hmm. At any rate, I'm glad to be back here, and uh, thank you guys for coming out tonight. And uh, we are in a section, we're in Thessalonians actually, and we actually have some South Carolinians. Can I say that? Has that ever been said? Carolinians? Carolinians? Carolinians, I got it right, all right, all right. So they're, they're uh, like, people have heard of back row Baptist? The back row Carolinians. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think Alan Shasta, last I heard of them, was um, they were last night supposed to be staying in Winslow, Arizona, standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Take it easy. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of when I heard that. Huh? Such a fine sight. That's that's right. And they have a little sign there in that place. I looked it up on the website, and they got a little sign standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. So I told them if they get a chance, just go by there and, and just see that. Yeah, really, really, and send it back to us. Used to be an album, or you know, take a. That's right. It's always the selfie. They used to have a dress code. I'm not so sure whether they they do suits or not. Maybe at a special time. But, uh, I don't know. Well, they they keep them straight lace. Straight lace. Where? At seminaries. This, what I have on here today, wouldn't be acceptable. Right. That wouldn't work. No, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> sir, change your clothes or get out. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's the way it works. Now, now, Bell would probably fit in there right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My yep, clothes that would fit, work. but uh, they'd ask me a theological question. I'd say, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I studied last night. You wore the white shirts and the dark pants and dark tie, don't you? Oh, that looks too much like Mormons. <laughs> Well, Thessalonians, it's about the church. It's an encouraging church. Paul is encouraged, and uh, that's what we've been seeing all along through here, and it's kind of par for the course in the section that we uh, do tonight. And, then we'll be ready to hit chapter 4, the famous chapter 4 out of Thessalonians. And of course, that'll get us into eschatology a little bit. Chapter 4, chapter 5, and Day of the Lord, and what have you. Uh, rapture. Uh, in chapter 3, uh, it's Paul's concern for the faith of the Thessalonians. 
and uh, the first five verses, uh, he was uh, it was showing that he was concerned. And what we conclude out of this, out of this letter, is that it was written immediately upon Timothy's arrival. And in this section that we're dealing with tonight, that's what happened. Uh, Paul had sent Timothy um, to Thessalonica because he didn't know what was going on. He was really concerned about him. He didn't know the condition. And now that he hears what has happened, he's just gotten the word. And Timothy is back and he's giving him the up to the minute response. Now that is my introduction. I did it probably in less than two minutes. Now we're going to have a word of prayer and we'll get right into the text. Is that, are you amazed? Dennis has changed. This is what vacations do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the Lord. <laughs> Father, we thank You for this evening. Thank You for uh, a great day and uh, the weather that You've given us. And uh, Lord, may we see You in the light of Your Word and being driven by Your Your Spirit as we look at the Word tonight. May we be refreshed on how it is uh, a church works and how the people are encouraged and how they encourage each other and standing firm in the Lord. Thank You, Lord, for strengthening us. And uh, may we be edified as we look at Your precious Word, the power of Your Holy Spirit, we understand things. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, we pick it up in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses um, 6 through 13. That is through the rest of the chapter. Chapter 3 is really not that long, is it? Uh, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what Thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account. As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may the God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you so that He may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. A lot there. Good stuff. All comes from the Lord. Uh, first thing we see that uh, Paul is delighted in the saints. I think saints are delighted in the saints. Not talking about football either. But uh, talking about brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters, and so um, he gets to the good news part. Now remember, Paul's in Corinth. He can't go back to Thessalonica. He got ran out of there. Timothy did go back. Timothy got the scoop on what was happening there, and he was ready to unload it on Paul. And Paul was ready to hear it. He didn't know what was going on. Timothy arrives. And Paul's just longing to know. He's he just got to know. Silas arrives. And the news from Timothy was this. Good news. Good news. And I want to tell you something. There's something special about that. He just doesn't say, hey, I've got a good report. Hey, this is uh, really good. You know, uh, this is... Uh, hey, 
Timothy told me about you guys. He said so and so, you know, and, and uh, hey, good to hear. No, he uses the word good news, and it's euangelizo, which is good news or gospel. And every other time in the New Testament where you see the word gospel or, or good news, it always deals with like salvation, you know, the power of the gospel. It's dealing with that. This time it's talking about a good news story. And it's the only time it's used like that, and it's compared to what the gospel that saves is about. That's how good it is that he picks up on this news. You ever had good, thrilling news? It's exciting, you know, you, you want to hear that. And and it was the best news. It was the best news that he could hear uh, because everything was going fine there. You know, even though they had gone through uh, some uh, some tough trials and struggles and persecution, um, they're strong. They're strong in, in a lot of areas, and one of them happens to be faith. He says, but now Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news, brought us the gospel, it's good news about what happened with Thessalonians, of your faith. So the good news starts with faith. Point one is, uh, as far as the good news is, it's good news about the faith. Their faith was real. Their faith was genuine. They were uh, standing strong. And, and they weren't weedy ground. They weren't rocky ground. Uh, they weren't uh, just uh, on, a, on a hard ground. But it was ground that was real. And it's, it's, uh, it's a real faith. Uh, it didn't get burned off. It's true. It stuck. So that's one of the reasons why he uh, says this is good news because of your faith. And then the second one is what? Love. Because they're love. Not only the faith, but love. You love God. You love Christ. You love each other. Uh, you know, you love the lost. You know, that kind of uh, love there. Those two things, faith and love. And of course, we've seen them before where there's faith, hope, and love. Uh, not to say that hope is less than than uh, those in, in a sense, but in another sense, he has faith and love here. And there's a reason why. John Calvin says this, those two words are the sum of godliness, faith and love. If I have faith in God and love the Lord with all my heart, soul, strength, if I have faith in God, I have love for Him, what have I fulfilled? If I have love for my neighbor, two greatest commandments. That's it. Fulfill the law. The two greatest commandments. The greatest commandment is loving God. The other commandment, love your neighbor. And so, if you're doing that, uh, you're fulfilling the the whole law. It's the sum of godliness. It's it's the sum of it all. To believe and to love. To believe God and to love. It says it all. It's the sum of the believer's duty. You know, you can take all the things that we're supposed to be doing and everything, and you can sum them up in in those in that two uh, senses. There, it's a sum of believers' duty to God. Uh, thinking of, uh, I think it's Galatians five one. Hope that's right. Uh, yeah. Ah. Wasn't what I was thinking of. Oh, it's, it's at the end of verse 6. 
For in Christ Jesus, in chapter 5, Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Faith working through love. And so, you have faith, you have love. This is good news. This is what's happening there in Thessalonica. And then he says that you always think kindly of us. What was going through Paul's mind? What if people have told lies about me like they, you know, of course, we've heard in other places like Corinth. A lot of the same kind of things happening here, right? What, what if those people are not thinking highly of me? What if they're thinking really bad thoughts about me that I was like, like a false teacher or something? And so he's concerned about that and Timothy comes back and says, hey, they think highly of you. But remember in another scripture where he said, all in Asia have turned away from me? You remember that? That could have been the thought that was Paul could have had in mind there. What if, what if they are thinking the way that others have Done, it turned away. He got, he got kicked out of there and everything, and sometimes I see the enemy will use that. Those that claim to be believers right. or in the church, I'll try to point those out. Like, see, there was something wrong with him. That's right. People can start believing those things and all of a sudden when he left there, he thought everything was okay and at the same time, now he's concerned about that. So, can you see what kind of a delight that uh, Timothy had in, in this message? Um, and... and or, or Timothy brings the news, and it's like, Paul, it's okay. They think really highly of you. It's good. They think kindly of you. Yeah. Of I them. like uh, here where in that in verse six where it says uh, it's talking about um, love and report that they long to see us as we long to see you. Mm-hmm. So it's. You know, he was longing to see them, longing to be there with them, and so that's his love for them because he cares for them deeply. And then when he hears that they care about him just as great, it's like, it's like when when like we leave each other and I, we wonder about each other. How are they doing? I wonder if they're doing well. I hope they're doing great. I, I want to see them again, even though we just parted ways, to make sure that oh, you're still doing okay, right? <laughs> and, and that, and so. Later on, down the few verses, you know, talking about afflictions, and I think that the afflictions can come from worrying about one another, and you know, the kind of burden. So I, I think that's really great. That that makes the good news even better. That is, they love, they they're concerned for us as much as we are for them. So yeah, I I got to feel everybody here can identify with that. Yeah when maybe we've been estranged from somebody for a while, maybe they've been out of town, maybe they've been, doesn't seem like they've been doing good, or we don't know, and, and you're kind of apprehensive, you know, you're really wondering, you know, wonder what, what's going on, and then you find out everything is really good. And you, know, oh, you ever had relief, you know? Oh, they're doing good. That reminds me, Shane says hi. Oh, <laughs> you ran into Came Shane? Oh, the theater, yeah. Oh, right, all right. Yeah, Shane, he, he used to... We used to get together a lot of the uh, our guys there, uh-huh. yeah. Bob and. He still yeah, looks pretty good too. Oh uh, yeah. He looks exactly. The guy same. still looks like he's in his thirties yeah. or something, well, doesn't he? For as upright of a person as Paul was, I'm granted he's a sinner just like the rest of us, but when I compare myself to Paul, it's like wow. And to think that somebody 
as upright as him could have those doubts that people would be talking bad about him. I mean, he has good reason to, because, you know, it has happened. But to think that that shakes his self-confidence. Good point. You know? That's even Paul? Yeah. Because we we know what that's like, don't we? Yeah. But that reminds me of uh, one day Ash and I were we're going because we sold a fish tank on that messenger app and you can Facebook app where yeah. you can sell stuff. Hmm. And uh, the Jehovah Witness people came because I had talked to them prior to this event. And my cousin Victor was on the porch. And a part of me was concerned because I was like, I'm leaving with my wife. My cousin Victor doesn't, I'm trying to plant the seed and soften the soil, you know, trying to help, you know, in his life. And the Jehovah Witness are here. And I was like, on the way out, I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I made a mistake. I left him with Jehovah Witness. What if they like talk to him? Because I know they will. And so part of me wanted to stay, and part of me wanted to go. And so there was that conflict. I ended up going, and they ended up talking to Victor. And I just, when I got back, I talked to him. I was like, okay, so you know, they talked to you, didn't they? He's like, yeah. And what did they say? And he was like, it was opposite of what you've been telling me. I was like, okay, that's good that you realize that there was a difference. <laughs> that's good. That's encouraging yeah, right so there. There was a comfort there. He, he, Paul could have felt like this, you yeah, know, those guys. So come, you know. That's kind of what, you know, Yeah. We can certainly line up with the way that, that Paul is writing and, and, and thinking here. You know, not only is he having a pastor's heart for this, but this, this applies to all of us. You know, we're all in that, that same, same kind of a situation. And so, yeah, it's neat to, neat to hear this because it's like, oh, yeah, I know what this, I know what Paul's saying here. This is not very difficult, is it? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're longing, they're longing for each other. And of course, Paul had already said, "You're my joy." Verse 19 of chapter two: "You're our hope, our joy, our crown of exaltation." You know, you are glory, you are joy. You know, boy, those are big terms that he's saying. You're the most precious thing in my world. You know, in in the sense of what God has given these lives, these saints. So he had a longing for his people, but they longed for him. It, It worked both ways. And that's that's the way it works in the church. That, that's really, really it. But the enemy likes to make us think otherwise. And if we just all remember, hey, we're we're all uh, sinners in the need of God's grace, saved by God's grace, lived by His grace. And man, we all have struggles. We all have different battles that goes on. So you know, we we certainly need each other. Paul needed them, and you know, they certainly needed him. Um, so there was one thing that um, delighted in the saints. That's good news. Good news of their faith. Good news of their love. Thinking kindly. Uh, longing for others. Uh, the next one is uh, he was actually comforted. Uh, verse 7, For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, all the trials and things that we've gone through, he says, we were comforted about you through our faith. Through your faith. Um, bad news if you think of uh, from Galatia and the care of all the churches and then uh, you know he's spending time you know working making tents and pains of his heart and all of a sudden it's just like all that disappeared whenever Timothy shows up gives the good news here it's just like a you know brethren in all our distress and affliction we were comforted about you through your faith 
glad to hear about your faith. We were comforted. We heard about the reality of your faith. We were strengthened in that, you know, and how genuine their faith was. I think that was the evidence was was clear to uh, to everybody about these Thessalonians. They uh, quite a quite a joy for Paul. Quite a joy for us to be reading about here. And it's just how it, how it works in the body, isn't it? Um, you know what? Paul's delight be like what in the sense of um, all the church body. It's not the size of the building. It's not the the looks of the facility um, or the fame of the of the church, the congregation, or the prestige in the community. It, it's not about that. The delight that a pastor has and that the people in the church have is found in the people because that's what the church really is. It is the people. That's where we find our delight. You know, the, the, the building is a place where you meet, but that's not where our joy is at. You know, it's not in that. Can't really have fellowship with a building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, building. <laughs> yeah, they can't can't communicate. Would you uh, to kind of clarify that? Would you say like rather than the number of people, the actual growth within each person? Is that, is that what absolutely? It's it's not even numbers of people. How big a church is, how small it is, it still comes down to the people who are. You know, believers in the Lord. That—that right. that is what it's about, and that's what Paul focused on. Well, you know, we never hear about, you know. Of course, in the early in the Book of Acts, we see that God was saving people in big numbers, but it, it finally comes down to though each soul is really important to us. And that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just I'm thinking of like, you know, how you go out and like, let's say you have a rough day. And you meet somebody who's a believer in Christ, and you like almost instantly have fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like you almost feel instantly connected because you're both believers in Jesus Christ. Never even met him before. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, man, this is high five. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's wonderful because I've had bad days before, and I just met a random believer, and my whole day was, was uplifted after that. You know what? I think that's that's a. That's the thing the Lord does sometimes whenever we need something like that and He sends a person along at the right time. Not always, but that really happens. And yeah, that's that's very true. That's kind of how you're sitting yeah. there right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, it must have been hard for Paul, you know, because God put it in him and the, the, the apostles to spread the message and for everybody that they touch. So it's like they're going out, and they're the only ones, the Christians, going out to spread the news. So it's not like they're going to run into another one. You know, they ran into that eunuch who was studying, uh, he was reading what, the old, the law of Moses? And then he became baptized? And that brought him great joy. But I, I see it being kind of different, you know. He's going preaching, and then they accept the word, and then his joy comes. Or they kick him out. Yeah. 
That's <laughs> right. Paul has a rebound. He's like, oh, new guy, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so but, yeah. Let me spread the gospel to you so one day you can speak to the people mm-hmm. in Christ community. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, he was comforted <coughs> through their faith. The word faith just keeps popping up. For now, we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. I like this word standing firm here in, in uh, verse 8. The word is stecho. And it, it means to stand your ground whenever the attack happens. Stand firm. It, it, military term all the way. Uh, it's a refusal to retreat. It's a refusal to, whenever the attack comes against you, start backing off and, and getting weak. Just stand the ground when the attack happens. Um, a lot of passages that deal with that. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm. 1613? 1613. In the faith. I like this. Act like men. Be strong. Well, yeah, you have to realize that, uh, of course, what here again, it's, you know, whenever this, the word itself, stand, stand your ground under the attack. Um, go to the promises that God has given us. Go to, you know, certain. Scriptures that He has given you to um, memorize. Certain ones that will help whenever that attack happens. Um, And that's what made Paul really live, you know, whenever they they stand firm. Um, Go to Uh, Philippians 1.27. What's cool too, um, just in that next verse, you see in verse 13, faith, and verse 14, love. Ah. Let all that you do be done with love. Good point. Connection again. Very good. In verse 14, uh, it says, Let all that you do be done in love. And there's that connection between 13 and 14 with faith and love, like we were talking about. In the verse we were just in? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 16, 16 13, 13, 14. Glad you, I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah, no, I was That's just good. Yeah. And when you take things into context, you look before, you look afterwards. Yeah. And you know what? It might be good next time we see faith to see if there's the word love right. around it. Because mm. a lot of times, and won't always happen, but um, they're coupled together quite a bit, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So you know, that's just a good thing to just kind yeah. of look for. Yeah. Good one. Excellent. Excellent. I like that. That that really made that stand out even more in our Thessalonians passage then. Um Philippians 1.27 Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the Gospel. I'm looking down there just to see if we could run into love here real soon. But but you see there again, standing firm in, in the faith, you know, the, the faith of the gospel. I think that one, that verse right there, pretty hard one to get. When it, man, I am trying to trouble find a Philippians. Man, I'm just flipping through all over this place. So that's what you do. You you flip to Philippians. <laughs> right. But the, you're talking about standing firm and be of one mind. 
that seems to be like a hard thing in today because everyone mm-hmm. has their like own like oh well we think it's like this or we should do it like this and it's like well what does the word of god say mm-hmm. everybody's like well and it's almost like we're not all on the same page it's stand, like stand firm on what right what you know saying? yeah because it's like mm-hmm. i could walk into any other church and be like are we standing on the same word here or is this totally different doctrine because now i'm confused <laughs> and the church on, on the major things should be standing firm on yeah. on those all the time it's the word of god it's the gospel there there is nothing to argue about on on the the basics now there's going to be differences on whether it be eschatology or things, but the the, the main things, right. as as Alistair Begg always says a lot, you know, yeah. keep the main things the main. We, we do that all the time. I mean, we've talked about the churches right here in this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That deny the triune God, deny the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. so hard to stand for because you can't. You find churches that just call themselves Christian that don't believe in those very essential and you have to break down. And and they they will say, well, fine, you believe what you believe, and, yeah. and that's okay. I, I you know I'll accept that, but I I believe this way, mm-hmm. and it's like of one, you know the the um, when you think in Jude when it says the faith, and then there's one faith in in Corinthians. You know, the faith is is the word the word of God, the the truth in itself, and and there's no room to meander on on those kind of things. Uh, standing standing firm, always there. Uh, Philippians four one. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. He says this to the Philippians. This kind of sounds like to the Thessalonians, doesn't it? My joy and my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. There's that standing firm. Uh, stand your ground. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, verse fifteen. Stand firm, boy. Better remember that you know in Ephesians six it mentions about standing firm against the wiles of the devil. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians two, fifteen, and it says, "So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us." Uh, now that could create problems, because. You know, if somebody doesn't understand what traditions are, now, you know, sometimes churches have traditions. Those can be good. They can be bad. You know, if you're, but, or the traditions that the Pharisees had, you know, in Judaism and such. And of course, in the Roman Catholic Church, the traditions, that you know, they hold the Word of God, and then also they have the traditions. Here, the traditions here uh, is. What would be the word of God? Remember, the word of uh, the the New Testament wasn't even finished, uh, but they were getting taught. the The apostles were teaching the word of God to them. And of course, they were writing it. The traditions there is, hey, this is what is tradition. This word of God, that is what is orthodox. This is what is standard. So, in that sense, their traditions is not something that um, people make up. Um, but he he says what you were taught whether it was us they're speaking to you or what we wrote and that was inspiration by God so that that traditions there is 
actually meaning the very word of God. Right. So you mean like the, like you would say, like the traditions of um, breaking bread, having communion, and praying and fasting and prayer, like a, like that kind of. Kind of like that yeah, anything that's kind of that would be taught in the Word of God. Okay. Uh, yeah, there are traditions that a church does that right. are biblical. Right. And then there's other things that we bring in that are not necessarily bad, right. but if we hold to traditions and they take weight over. Uh, with or over the Word of God, then that's when we're in trouble. Right. Okay. Yeah. But this, in this sense now, would be talking about the very Word of God that was preached or uh, that was written to them. Uh, so, so he says, stand firm in that. So it's standing firm on, on the Word of God. So, um, there, there's Paul. And uh, he's delighted in the saints. There was good news. He was comforted. They're comforted uh, in a lot of senses. And uh, he wants them to stand firm to continue doing that. So we get to part two, and it deals with prayer. We see his delight. Now we see his prayer for them in First Thessalonians 3, starting at verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account, as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Um, It's about thanking God here. You notice in verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God? All throughout Paul's epistles or anywhere else for that matter, I think it's a good thing to thank people. You know, if they do a deed or they've done something that's good. So I I don't eliminate that. But something even better is to say, hey, I thank the Lord for you, for your service and what you've done. Because it's even more biblical because we know where it comes from. So that's why I favor most of the time of just saying, hey, he thanks, but uh, also, I thank the Lord for you. Yeah, it's also humbling, I think. Isn't it? It's, they can only do those things because it's in the strength of the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God? So he's not thanking them, he's thanking God as they were obedient to Him. Yeah. Um, he continues to express his joy, his delight, their spiritual progress that is happening there. But he focuses it on God. Because it's not the individuals, it's not the people themselves that are to take credit. God is the one who made this happen. And so he says, I thank God for it. I, I praise God for it. Um, you, by God's grace, have made us blessed. You know, Joyful. Uh, it's just like Paul saying, "I can't, I can't say enough words here to, uh, to thank God about this." Look in First uh, Corinthians fifteen ten, resurrection chapter. There, in the midst of that, he says this famous verse: "But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me did not prove vain." but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yes, I labored. I labored even more than them, but it was by the grace of God that I was able to do it. So he's thanking God, you know, and, and he realizes it's all by God's grace that uh, that can even happen. Anyway, so he, he has the focus right, doesn't he? 
even when he's joyful about the people, it's good to tell them about that. It always comes back to saying, thank the Lord because He's done the work in them. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account. Paul's going through some pretty difficult times himself and he's saying he's he has joy and he's rejoicing. And then we get into the intercessory here. Um, we see he prayed earnestly. We night and day keep praying most earnestly. The word is hooper ek parasu. It's a triple compound word in the Greek, and it means out of bounds, overflowing, super abundantly. Isn't that just like Paul? It seems like every week when we do a Bible study, there are certain words that just you know leap out at you: super, hooper, you know, <laughs> uber. What is that word? It okay. Catch this: uber, ek, parasu. And I mean, what is that? And and it means out of bounds, overflowing, super abundantly, <laughs> earnestly is is the word in my in my Bible. Earnestly just sounds kind of dry compared to what that Greek word means there, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh huh. It's kind of like what well, we think of Uber, you know. Right, it's, it's you know it's just amplifying there. It's a triple compound. Can you spell that? <laughs> well, U P E R. If you put it in English, Uber Ek. Uber. Well, of course. How do we get out? We get our English words super from that. Uber Ek. Parisu. Parisu. P-E-R-I-S-S-O-U. Overabundant. So, if he prayed earnestly, do you think he's working hard in his prayer? It's hard. It's, real, it's hard to pray because you have to, you have to think, you have to remember, you, you start thinking, and we're talking here, this is intercessory prayer, which is dealing with praying for others. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot easier things to do. It's a lot easier to read. It's a lot easier to study. To pray is hard. It's you and the Lord and, and you know, He starts putting things on your heart and and then you start thinking about that. You start thinking about others and it's it's fervent here. He worked hard at praying. Well, in 10 and 11 both, He's focused most on seeing them. And I wonder, do you know whether he did get to see them again? He happened to know. I, I don't know if there's any way of knowing. I have read where... Because so, I've had the same question. Did, okay. did he see them again or not? I, I think that he did. Because you look at the journey when he came back, but we don't have any record that... Is this, you is know, this a prison? In the, I know I should know that by now. But no. Uh, okay. No, he, he's in Corinth. That's where he's at at this time. That's of course he set up the ministry there. But but that's a really good question because I always wonder wouldn't it have been great? I'd like to know you know how can you imagine them surrounding each other and and you know and I got a feeling that probably happened because whenever he went back he was close to that same area he would have to do that he doubled back. Okay. 
And if you look at even on your missionary journey maps, if you happen to have that, you'll see that. And it, we don't have a record, but most of the commentaries I've read, they like to think that that's, that's what happened. Um, I can't turn to a scripture and show you, but I, I, I think so. Yeah. I'm sorry, I could not hear the question. Oh, she was, she was, she was saying, did he ever get to see them again? Because that's that's one of the things he was primarily praying for, according to verses mm-hmm. ten and eleven. Yeah, he he wants to see that he so dearly wants to see them. Yeah. We need to get everybody get a microphone and. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a little trouble there. We only have so many. <laughs> then it'd be like back to the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Everyone talks. Yeah. But anyway, um, the frequency of his intercession, I, I think, is incredible. Night and day. Praying always. You know, how often do you see that? Paul says this so much at night and day. Keep praying most earnestly, right? That we may see your face. We want to see you. I just don't want to hear about you. I want to see you. That's really what I really want, right? And we can feel that. We know that. We know how that is. Uh, and may complete what is lacking in, in your faith. I think that whole idea of, of praying um, is is so key. We'll get the doctrine of prayer here tonight. We're getting so many different things here just in a few short verses. First uh, Samuel 12.23 I like this. And um, I think this is the one that um, Bart Larson uses so much. I really like this. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Far be it from me that I would sin by not praying for it. That means if we're not praying for people, what are we doing? We're sinning. <laughs> that's pretty. That's quite thought-provoking, isn't it? Which one is that? That's in First uh, Samuel twelve twenty-three, and you've probably heard that uh, verse many times. You've probably heard it live from Bart himself, but on his uh, little radio. Um, little moment that he has, uh, he has used that uh, very often. Uh, if we stop praying for people, we're sinning. So I go, whoa, that's quite quite interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I hear. Hmm. Acts 6, verse 4, prayer. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's the apostles. They were going to have uh, other people around them, deacons that would be serving, but um, the apostles were going to devote themselves to prayer and to the Word of God. That's really what uh, any kind of uh, minister is is about, devoting to the Word and prayer. It, it uh, It's a thing that demands. Very demanding. Acts 20, verse 32 Again, we see the same kind of thing. Acts 20 is wherever he meets the Ephesian elders. And he says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those uh, who are sanctified. Um, 
what he's what he's been doing all along here is he's been instructing them and exhorting them and of course he he prays for them but he wants them to be built up and um, anyway um, he, he worked hard for them given the word of God he prayed for them um, praying for the saints night and day he has request his request is is that He'd be able to finish what's lacking there. What's lacking? Well, there's more that they need to learn. He was only there for a few weeks. Taught them a lot. But that means we never reach a point where, ah, I finally got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm there, man. I'm, I'm, I, I made it. That doesn't work that way. The word there, finish, what is lacking... Is the word kartartidzo? Do any of you guys remember what that word was about? Does it sound familiar? Lucas used that word. I think he even used it uh, just real recently, within the last week. Um, that means to fit together. It means to mend the nets, to adjust, to restore, to equip. Um, if you go to Mark one nineteen. He uses it visibly here. I think this is dealing with the, the fishing net. Oh, yeah. uh, remember? this sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets, restoring the nets, fitting them together, adjusting them, equip, uh, you know, restoring. To finish what is lacking, to restore that, to, to put it together complete. Uh, maturity is involved. Um, Galatians six one. Again, same word. It's Carter Tidzo. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. Restore. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. So there again is the the same thought to restore, uh, to uh, fit together, to to come to completion. Uh, Go back to our Thessalonians. See your face may complete what is lacking in your faith. And, And I don't want anybody to be confused there. You know, faith is the ability to trust the truth. Okay? To trust God's truth. I have to know the truth. I trust in this truth. Um, to bring someone's faith to a completion here, to a wholeness, there's a mystical type faith that people think of, and only if you would believe harder, right? Well, and I don't know. I've heard it to where everyone has faith. It's a common almost care you know trait that humans have is just faith. Mm-hmm. To believe in something? Yeah. It just depends on what they have faith in. Right. That's yeah, right. that, that was the argument. And yeah. I, I don't know if I quite believe that. You can have faith in flying monkeys if you want. <laughs> Some people have faith that evolution is true. Yeah. I, I think it probably takes uh, more faith to believe in evolution than it does to have faith in God. Of course the faith that comes from God is supernatural, but right. yeah. Uh, those guys. Yeah, well, well there's n- nothing. 
you know, something is coming out of nothing. Only God can do that. So, so it's faith in God. Mm. It's not faith in our faith. Oh, if I only believe a little bit more harder, well, I can a, make this happen. It's a faith from, from God. That, you know, His faith is something altogether different mm. and right. more tangible and real than anything. Because maybe there is a common faith that people have. It's, but it's so it's sort of like you know free will. It doesn't matter. Even if we do have free will, it don't matter. Because <laughs> God's will stands. It still has to come yeah. from Him. Right. Right. If you have enough faith, you have enough faith. Right. Heal a lot of people, forego legitimate treatment that can heal them and end up dying of cancer because they just have to be a little bit more faith. And they'll invariably say, they didn't believe hard enough. Right. And that is not the kind of faith that mm. is biblical. That And that's a travesty because it, it turns people away from God finally because they say, well, God didn't answer my prayers and I don't have enough faith and I tried hard as I could and I, it never happened. So therefore, I, I must not have enough faith so they abandon it all. So it isn't to believe harder, but... Whenever he says to perfect the faith here, it's to expand their understanding. Their faith is enlarged in a sense in that they, they trust um, because of this foundation, because of who Christ is. Paul wanted to perfect their faith. He wanted to complete that, you know, the Word of, the word of God. That's why he wanted to be there, that he would be able to teach them even more and they could be even stronger. Um, and and we're all lacking. We all have more to learn who God is, don't we? Yeah, that reminds me of. Uh, I just read it a while ago. Um, I think it's in Romans. No one seeks God. No one. Mm-hmm. Romans three. Yeah, Romans three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote that down. Ah, yeah. Romans 3, chapter 9 through chapter 18. Um, but starting at like 10. It says, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have become worthless. And it carries on. But it's like a reminder that to stay in the faith, but you know, that no one can be righteous because everyone falls into this category here. They're all condemned. They have nothing good about them, do they? Yeah. It all comes from God. And faith is a gift that comes from God. Mm-hmm. What He wants us to do is trust in Him, but to learn it means to learn more about Him as we go through life and then trusting in that Word as we, we go through those issues. And just when we think we know who He is, He sets us straight. Uh, the, uh, all the time. I'd say that's the biggest time that we fall. I speak for myself. is when I get overly confident that, you know, oh, I believe, I'm saved by grace, and that's typically when the fall happens. <laughs> well, that, that's right. And it's, it's also God humbling me, you know, yeah. reminding me that I don't know as much as I think I know. <laughs> and, and we're dependent on Him on everything, aren't we? Uh, and, and a verse to, to back that up would be Philippians 3, for instance. Verse 12. This is really good. Not that I have already obtained it, Philippians 3.12, or have already become perfect or mature or you know, kind of like that Carter Tidzill was dealing with, but I press on 
so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. I'm not there yet, Paul's saying. This is Paul. Yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, don't live in that old past life and all the defeats and that we had and everything. He says, don't live in that. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect or mature, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. So he's saying, yeah, none of us have arrived. Paul hadn't arrived yet. If that be, if he hadn't, we sure haven't, have we? And, and so that, that's exactly what you were talking about there. Puts us in that, that same boat. So many verses on that. Second Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all growing. And it's not like, okay, you get to a certain point, that's it. Can't grow anymore. Okay, I've heard it all. I already know it all. I don't need that anymore. That's not it. We always should be striving to know more who God is. So many passages there. I have several scripture on that. But. Yeah, you've already blown it right there. Yeah, that's right. It's easy to get that way. Um, back to our Thessalonians. And so we see how this all kind of ties in with how he feels for them. He's praying for them. Um, <coughs> that God would remove their obstacles or. Uh, God and Father Himself, Jesus our Lord, direct our way to you, it says in verse 11. Um, Kateuthano means to straighten out, to guide, to direct. Um, I think in chapter 2.18, for we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. So, you know, he, he would be praying that God would remove those obstacles where Satan does come in and hinder. And so at the same time, we would be praying that, Lord, remove anything that keeps me from, from You and show that to me. Um, in his prayer, he in, in Thessalonians here, he says, God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord. That's a deity passage there because he's as he's praying, he's praying to God the Father, Himself, and Jesus our Lord. And those put two together. And in the Greek, I think I'm thinking that's a Granville Sharp rule, which means those two go hand in hand. It means they are uh, equal, and Jesus being prayed to, you know, in, in that sense. Um, so uh, uh, definitely a deity uh, that that fits into there, but he says direct our way to you um, to to straighten out the way you direct us, Lord, and may the Lord cause you. I like that. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound. It's not themselves that are going to do that, but it's the Lord causing it to happen, to increase, to abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you. Yeah, Barb. God and Father and Lord Jesus, what did you call that? There's a Granville Sharp rule. It's a grammar rule. 
in Greek, and when you have two linked together, I know s- several times that happens in the New Testament. Here, I am not positive, but I'm pretty sure when you see God and Father and the Lord Jesus as such are put together in the same sentence, and, and that always means that they are equal or deity. He's being compared to inequality with God the Father. Like three and one. Yeah, kind yeah. Of like a trinity. Yeah, and so that that rule would uh, apply. I know there are other passages that are, are even more explicit. I like how you said uh, how it says direct our way to you. Yeah, you know? we, we want to see you and uh, and whatever. And, and he's been hindered, hasn't he? Yeah. Satan hindered them yeah. from and, that happening. And we know that <clears throat> Satan hindering them is also God's will, like in Job when God allowed the devil to do what he did just to prove to the devil that the devil has no authority. Right. You know. And it's still good to pray that, Lord, that that at some time would be removed so that we can do yeah. that, that that would be Your will. Lord. Yeah. Exactly. And it's still His will that He would bring Him at the same time that we would be able to... Yeah. Uh, that's kind of mind blowing. It almost yeah. sounds like it's debating against each yeah. other, but it's in God's plan. We see how He uses that to make us grow. Then, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Then make uh, mine says making make you increase, and may the Lord make you increase. Mm-hmm. cause you or make you to increase. And it's the Lord who does is that right. who does that. And, and you see how the. He's commending these Thessalonians, but at the same time, who is being raised up all the way through here? So praise to God, isn't Amen. it? So he says, increase and abound. And so there, there's another, you know, it's kind of like the kangaroo, you know, <laughs> it just bounces, you know, just abounding, increasing. Essentially, the same thing there. It's the strongest, highest, purest way of of love here. Abounding in love for one another. It's the agape, sacrificial. To, to meet the needs of others. Um, much room we could go to on that, but we're just going to finish on out here. Th- this love was the evidence of their faith that was growing there and that you would abound in it. Hey, brothers, sisters, I know you have love for one another, but I want you to increase in it. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're doing really, really good. Keep doing even more. You know? right. like, but, and it's only the Lord that can right. do that. Like continue spread the news. Because that's what they'll be end up doing anyway as they grow in faith and love towards the Lord. The Lord will convict them and put them in places to reach out to more people and to continue to expand. Well, exactly, and that's what he's saying here. As they have love for one another in the church, and then he says for all people. Right. That goes outside the church. It can be other Christians, but it could mean the lost. Right. And, and we're to love for them. The verse that comes to mind that one is, uh, you know, if you have love for your brother, you know, how much more will the Lord love you if you like to love someone else? You know, that's not the exact verse, but um, you know, it's to uh, look. You know, you can love your brother, and your love brother will love you, and that is your reward. But if you love an enemy, then how much greater is the reward in heaven? So it's kind of like, you know, reach out to the lost with love, and then it's easy. Right. It's easy yeah. to love one that loves you back. Right. Yeah. yeah. That one, and that's where increase in love, increase in love, so Keep that you can continue to reach out to those who are your enemies for now. So we we see that increasing in love. We see the increasing faith. Right. Faith, love. This whole section is faith, <laughs> yeah. love. I mean, this is the Christian life, and he wanted them to grow more and more in it. 
more and more. I, I know you're trying to finish up, and I don't want to go down. Oh, that's fine. Trail. I just want to say something that I've thought about off and on about love. All, all churches throw that around. Agnostics throw it around. Atheists throw it around. But it's a, it's a terribly serious and hard business knowing what true biblical godly love is. And I think I think love for a, a brother or sister in the church is different to a love for an enemy just because well, for the same reason that a love between a man and a woman is different a married man right. and a woman is different to say um, even a man and his biological sister. It's just different. Right. But the only way we're going to get a proper concept of godly love is to know God and to become closer to Him through His Word and through prayer. And and I think that's very important mm-hmm. where He says that He's praying that the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. God's the only one that's going to tell you what that love looks like. That doesn't mean you accept homosexuality because they were born that way and you've got to love them because of that. You love them in spite of that, mm-hmm. in a godly way. Right. But you don't tolerate that as being acceptable in Christ. Right. That's just an yeah, toleration thing. doesn't necessarily mean love, does but it? But it has yeah. changed into that in a lot of circles, mm-hmm. including in some churches. On, Quite a bit. On mm-hmm. that right. also, John MacArthur, I was listening to him, and he said, if you don't speak to those people with godly love, then you're basically giving them hate speech. Because we know the end result for those who don't believe in Christ, and if we accept them and their ways and, you know, put on that, that's hate speech. Because, yeah, they're they're obviously walking down a path that's... Yeah, you're condemning them. them, So so the love, like you're saying, you know... It's the love that gives the truth. Right. No matter the result of the response. Right. The consequences. Truthing and love. It's hard to do. Because if we were so blind that somebody told us the truth, that's the same thing that we want to do is what was created to us. I had a question real quick. Um, You mentioned the prayer, uh, not praying as light as they sin. Uh, that sound, you know, it, it, since the Bible doesn't say that, what would be the root sin in that? Uh, so you're saying know, behavior. You what's what's the like root? Of the root what, 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 what what sin would you pinpoint as the you know that because basically not praying is a result of sin, I think, mm-hmm. more than anything. I think, would you be talking about like... Um, what could distance you from not wanting to pray? It's it's about self, okay. which is pride. Pride is, is really the, the root sin. And what it would be if we're not praying for people. Of course, a lot of times how we, got, we may not remember somebody's name. Or That's not necessarily you know, sin in that. But if... If there are people that the Lord brings to our heart or that we should be thinking about and we don't pray for them and we know that, that, that they should be prayed for, 
we could be sinning against him and that he calls us to, to pray, to pray always. Of course, the, the example is Paul. But what it is, it's we don't pray because we're concerned about ourselves. We have we may not pray because there's other things to do. Or there's we may not pray because I just don't feel like it. I don't think we take it as important. That's not pray. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's really bad. Um, it really bad. Yeah. Pride and selfishness. Absolutely. So it goes back to kind of like what what you're saying there. It comes back really. It, we're we're not thinking of others. We're thinking of ourselves. Whether we're lazy or whether you know whatever. So does that help? Is that yeah? Is that kind of what you're meaning there? Yeah. I think. Yeah. It was just you know a broad stroke. Yeah, it is a broad stroke. And, I was wondering. and what does God primarily want? He wants relationship with His children. Bingo, and that's and love. And we're just turning <laughs> our back on Him when we don't take time to face Him when we should, which is all the time. Do, do you guys ever feel like you battle that? Yeah, all I, the time. Uh, right here. In fact, somebody today, somebody, a sister in Christ, was telling me about some troubles she was having. And she says, and I don't know if you're one to pray. And I'm thinking, yes, but do I do I give that impression? Maybe I do, and maybe it's justifiable. But I don't want to give that impression, and I want it to be easy. My friend, Dr. Furman, who's been dead now for a few years, if you wanted him to pray for you about something, he would stop Absolutely. then and there and pray just like he was talking to a friend. I'm not at that point yet, and I wish I was. Sometimes I have been in the past, but nowhere near where I should be. Nowhere near where I should be and want to be. And yeah, I, that's a good thought that uh, from the from the pastor there. You know, also for some for praying for those that you don't particularly think you're involved with mm. teaches you to love them. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And if you like, if somebody brings up a prayer and you're like. You know, you're like, okay, that's, that's a God sure cares about yeah. him. Yeah. He wants yeah. us yeah. to have that yeah. same yeah. kind of concern. And I think there is some wrong thinking when you when you think about you need to find a prayer warrior. Mm. No, we're all yeah. <laughs> we need to all become prayer warriors. But the church is dwindling in America. Mm. It's dwindling in the state. It's certain. I don't know if it's ever been in Jeff City that strong. <laughs> but the only way that we're going to make any change is is to be connected to God. He's the only one that can change, and He He wants. He wants to do it through us. He wants to use us. That's what He wants. He loves us. We've got to remember that. He loves us even though sometimes it seems like, well, if He loved us, well, He would have done this or that. No, 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 no. And, I, and I've been guilty of thinking that same way, even if I wouldn't say it out loud. Well I, well, I remember years 
10 years ago when my brother committed suicide the same year that my husband left me and I was having a child, my second child. I thought, I, and I told a friend this, I wish it would never come out of my mouth, but, but I said, sometimes I think God hates me. And I felt that way. Yeah. Now, to think about it logically, I knew it wasn't true, but I sure felt that way. And was it hard to pray? Sometimes yes, sometimes it's all I had. But, anyway. He teaches he you to pray. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Well, thank you, Audrey. And that wasn't a rabbit trail. That was that's what all this is about right here. This is how Paul felt. We'll close it out in this last verse that he may establish your hearts. Establish, build them up, and build without blame and holiness. That 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 they be blameless. That they be so strong, so firm, they be unblameable, and before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. That takes it all the way up to the second coming. It takes it all the way to the Bema seat where we're standing before the Lord. And you know what can make you holy real quick sometimes? Taking it seriously and realizing that I'm going to be standing before the Lord right here. Any kind of temptation that can come up, immediately put yourself before the Bema seat. The judgment seat of Christ. And that can get things pretty legitimate really quick, knowing that He's coming back. Uh, Dr. Thomas, he's at the seminary, um, um, where Alan's going, actually. Uh, and he wrote a commentary on First Thessalonians and says, An overflow of love is the only route to holy conduct in which no fault can be found. So if you have love for God and love for your neighbor, then that is the ingredient on, on being blameless. For when love does overflow of love wait, for when love does not prevail, selfish motives, and here we go, I think this is what Mick was just, uh, just mentioning. For when love does not prevail, selfish motives inhibit ethical development by turning us toward ourselves and away from God and blameless living. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, if you don't love others and you don't lose yourselves in loving God and others, you turn to yourself. You love yourself and you turn away from even holy living. And that's kind of what he's saying. First John 3 talks about knowing this great hope that we are going to be standing before the Lord. We will see Him as He is and be like Him. That should motivate us for uh, holy living. That's hope, isn't it? And it's it's hope in Him. It purifies us. Someday I'm going to face God and the day I'm going to face God is going to be the day of the coming of Jesus. And His people are going to even be coming back with Him. He's going to reward them at the judgment seat of Christ at the Bema. It's about rewards. And so we want to get a full reward. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for all the good participation and and godly thoughts that um, help edify us all. Let's pray. Father, we uh, don't take this lightly as we uh, take in a message of prayer and fellowship and love and faith and the second coming and all the different things that were just in packed in so tightly in this little section. Uh, Lord, may it apply to us and we really 
take it to heart about praying for others and having a concern for each one and that we would not be selfish and that it would lead us to even more a holy life, stronger faith that would bring glory to You because You're the one who makes it happen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.